So we're going to continue our sermon series on Visions and Values 2.0. This is a very, very important uh, sermon. It's one that either causes offense or it's one that causes change. It's kind of not a neutral ground on this subject. Either people never want to come to church together and they gather in different homes to talk about how the church is all about money. So that's one response. Or people say, listen, Jesus, thank you for being honest with me. My heart loves money more than I should. My heart loves money more than I should. I've sacrificed for it. I've went through pain for it. I've argued about it. I've held on to it. I've buried it or I've overspent it. But I love it. It's enough to go through the pain. It's enough. I'll do anything. I'll be tired every day. I'll overexert myself if you just give me that dollar bill. So some of us are there. And what Jesus wants to say today is he loves us too much to leave us there and to waste our lives. He loves us too much for that. You know, this week I figured Jesus always does funny things during the week when you're preaching different messages. So my funny thing this week week is I went to the mailbox and there was an envelope in there that said tithe with permanent marker. Some of you saw it on Instagram or on the realm. It said tithe and I went to open up that envelope and it was a scratch ticket. Someone tithed a scratch ticket and the birds loved it. And I said, I've seen a lot. I've seen, because people get nervous coming by these bins, right? I've seen library stuff put in there. I've seen receipts from Ace Hardware. I've seen everything in there. People just trying to look like they're giving, right? But I've never seen a scratch ticket signed tithe, ever. Now, this person had wonderful, wonderful intentions. Because in their mind, there's some random person that walks these streets. I think I know who they are. They leave 5, 10, 20 here or there randomly. But that day, they got a scratch ticket, and it said you can win $100,000. In their mind, they said, God, it's a winner. I'm going to give this to the church, and they're going to have $100,000. Such great intentions. I got on my penny. I said, it's a long week. Let's have some fun. Scratch it. Not one ounce of me thought I was going to hit the scratch ticket. But I said, it's going to be fun. It's going to be good on Instagram. Let's go. Not a winner. Not a winner. What a waste of $2. That is horrible stewardship. Great heart? Better said, great intentions. Great intentions doesn't always equal a great heart. Great intentions, horrible stewardship. Now, I know a few scratchers. Someone like, oh shoot, he's calling me out. I'm not saying gambling's a sin. I'm not that guy. Years ago when it was my vacation, I'd always get a few scratch tickets. I'd always waste a little money, have some fun. I'm not saying gambling or buying a scratch ticket is wrong. What I'm saying is how much better stewardship, right? Knowing a few people that scratch, I'll tell you what I've learned. They scratch five to seven days a week. It's like a drug, man. You see them in the parking lot. They're just shredding, shredding stuff, right? Imagine they saved those $2 every day, they scratched that ticket. And just for one year, they gave to their local church for the mission of God, for Jesus' church, for the salvation of souls, for the glory of Jesus' name. That's $104 a year. Say they stayed around for a little bit of 30 years. That's $3,000 they would give to God's local church over 30 years. 
just stop and scratch tickets. You know, and I want to say this because I have a few people in the life of the church, and I say this once again, these people have great intentions. So as a pastor, a few people come up to me and say, if I hit the lottery, you'll get money. It's all the time. Ever since I started ministry, people come up and say, I'm telling you, once again, great intentions, great intentions. But it's not true. Know why it's not true? Because if we don't give now when we have little, we will never give when we have much. Because it's not how much money we have, it's where our heart is. And that's the truth, guys. Once again, hear the great intentions. This guy really had great intentions with his scratch ticket. But if I'm only giving $90 when I'm making 50 grand, when I make 100 grand, what I've seen is most time when people make more, their giving goes down. Their giving goes down when they make more because it's never, you know, everyone always says 10 more grand and I'll be okay, right? If I just make 10 more thousand dollars, my life is going to be nice. It's not true. It's not true. We're chasing, it's an endless game. It's an infinite game that you can't win. It's it's a game of the heart. And we are tempted and tested throughout life if we're going to love money or if we're going to love God. That's why Jesus' first sermon, what did he say? He said, listen to me. Because he knows our hearts, right? We try to serve two masters. We try to serve God and we try to serve money. Jesus said, listen to me. You love one or you hate the other. And you hate one or you love the other. You can't love both. So my heart for Restoration Road today, as we continue to be shaped by the words of our Savior Jesus, I want us to love God than we ever loved the dollar bill. And I want us to love those things which are eternal, far greater than those things which will pass away. And I want us to hear the message of Jesus so we don't waste our talents on just gathering, our lives on just storing up and spending frivolously, but we spend all our breath, all our time, all our resources on seeing people restored by the gospel. The only thing that is passing from this life to the next is me and you. You can't take your change, you can't take your house, you can't take your shed. You can't take any of your toys with you. And even passing them on to your kids sometimes is not teaching them the right thing of what's really valuable in life. That's why the church was so powerful, because you had the communal heart that said, we're selling all, and we're giving it to Jesus. Because we understand that this is so serious that God's own son came to die on a cross and rise again to save that which was lost. And this is the heart of the gospel, and that's why Jesus preached on money 25% of the time, because he understood the number one idol people bow down to besides Jesus is money. We will bleed for it, we will die for it, we will cry for it, we will work for it, and we will waste our life for it unless we realize that Jesus is the greatest treasure, amen? And so that's what we got to tackle today because Jesus loves us enough, I love you guys enough, I know you guys love me and Dave, and we love this church enough and the mission of God that we don't want our hearts to be stolen by that which is rusting away. See what happens when they turn me up on the mic? Bad timing on money week, right? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through, actually, I was wrong. What's the verse, Brendan? 19 through 24. I gave him the Our Father scripture for today, but that's the wrong one. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 14. Let's hear the words of our Savior who loves our hearts and wants us to live our lives for what really matters. That's Matthew chapter 6. 
verses 19 through 24. It says, Do not lay up your treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for he, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. What a love and Savior to tell us that. Amen? So we'll talk about three things today. What does um, good financial stewardship look like? Why does that matter for our church and the life of our church? And how do we apply that into the life of our church? So in this text, this is the first time Jesus ever preached. The first time. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's going through. Jesus was a heart preacher. So he preached to the central piece of our being, of our person. So when I say heart, I'm saying the central facet of your soul where your emotions are, where the heart is, the rest of your life will follow. So what your heart treasures the most, your actions, your words, your life, your conversations, your frustrations, everything will follow your heart and what you love. Augustine would argue he's a a saint. Uh, not a saint, we're all saints by the grace of God, but he's an old school saint who wrote a lot of theology, and he said, you become what you love. You become what you treasure. So really, our heart is all about what we love the most, and that, that spot in our heart, metaphorically, that spot is to worship and treasure God above everything. You know, that, that word worship and glory means we give the greatest weight to God. That we will sacrifice the most, our most time, our most love, the thing that makes us happiest, the thing that if that was taken away from us, we couldn't live, right? And when you think about that, that thing which is taken away from you, where you couldn't exist without it, that's the thing which you love the most. That's why when other good things become that above God, we call those idols. They strip us of life, they keep us paralyzed in fear. They cause us to bow down and they master us. They cause us to worry and we sit up and we stay up at night. And what does that beautifully in our life? Money. It's a horrible master. And Jesus comes on and says, do not. Now, Jesus is amazing. He, I want you to take Jesus as your financial advisor. Okay? Listen, if I said to you, some of you maybe said, man, I don't want Jesus as my financial advisor. That's scary. Listen, I need you to meet with Jesus after church. He's going to be a financial advisor. You just need to follow everything he said. You'd be like, no, man, he's too extreme. Right? See, our secular financial advisors would tell us a different do not. So before we get to the do not, Jesus says with his financial advice, I'll tell you what our secular financial advisors would tell us. You sit down, they say, do not be generous to others before you have paid off your school debt. Right? That's what a secular financial advisor would tell you. Secular financial planner would say, do not set aside a percentage of your income to give to the church. First, set aside a percentage of your income to invest in stocks for yourself. Then if you have some left over, give it to the church. That's why Jesus said the first fruits, not what falls through the budget, but that which is first, right? Right? 
secular financial plan would say, do not give to an organization in which you are not in complete control of the money and do not exact, you don't control where it goes and what happens. Put it in a place where you are in total control of your money. You make all the decisions, you control it. That's the secular financial advisor. They would say, do not, do not, do not. Let's meet with Jesus for a second. Jesus says, do not lay up your treasures on earth. Do not invest all your money here on earth. And he gives the great why. Because it's going to rust away, because it's going to be stolen, and because moths are going to eat that beautiful clothes that you spend way too much money on. Right? That's passing away. No clothes make you look that good that you shouldn't be generous, right? So I'm like, man, you don't know how fashionable I am. That was my wife said that. Can you believe that? No, I'm okay. But listen, these are the things. Jesus is given the why. Listen, do not lay up your treasures on he- here because that's a waste of your money. And this is why. It's passing away, and you're a slave to it, and I don't want you to be a slave to that. He says, I'm your master, and I'm a good master, and I love you, and I'll lay my life down for you, and I'll show you what true servant his hood is. Money, don't let money be your master. He says, rather, here's the investment. He says, do not lay up your treasures here on earth. Lay them up in heaven. Why? Because they're not passing away. Why? Because they can't rust. Why? Because moth, they won't eat up your clothes. Why? Because no thief can break in and steal that from you. See, some of us have our hearts and our life stolen by money. Stolen. That love of money has got in and has stolen our hearts away from the God we love. And Jesus says, don't do that. I understand the struggle. Don't you dare bow down to that master. Don't you dare. I remember someone broke into my house years ago. That's one of the worst feelings. Have you ever got something stolen out of your house? That is a horrible feeling, right? This person came in. They stole video cameras. They sold regular cameras, and they sold handy snacks, cheese and crackers. What's wrong with people? In my cabinet, cheese and crackers on my bed. You've got to work through some issues. You're stealing my cheese and crackers. But listen, I didn't, oh, they told a little cash out of the jewelry box. You know how you keep just a little cash in the jewelry box? You pop that bad boy open, snap it out, run and waste it. Birds. <laughs> I wasn't bothered the money got taken. Cash, what's cash? It's an illusion. I wasn't bothered the cameras. There was old video cameras. You snap thing out, you needed two people to hold it, you know, roll the thing, you know what I mean? I wasn't mad about that. Cheese and crackers, I was a little upset about the cheese and crackers. Those handy snacks are good, right? I really wasn't upset about any of that stuff. You know why? Because it can be replaced. It's temporary. It's rusting away. If I never had cheese and crackers again in my life, if I never had a camera, if I never had a video camera, my life would be fine. You know what bothered me the most? The memories of my family were on that video camera. The relationships that are eternal were on there. And that bothered me. You know why? Because we see what's really valuable when our hearts are right. When our hearts really break it down, that's what is most valuable is people. And this is why Jesus is preaching this to us. He's saying, listen, You're going to treat things as if they're more valuable. 
You're going to treat luxuries as if they're more valuable. Kitchen countertops, sheds, decks, everything. We're going to treat that as that's more valuable. Mimi has nothing to do with the deck you want. I just think of decks. That's not Mimi. Mimi wants a deck. It's none of that. It really isn't. But we don't even know what's happening to our hearts sometimes. We don't even know that those things that are shiny, that those things that are rusty, are becoming gods to us. You know how we know it? When we're not investing our lives in people, but rather investing our lives in things, in luxury. See, we, we don't learn to distinguish, we haven't learned to distinguish in our Western culture between what's a luxury and what's a need. It's a luxury to go on vacation. You're not going to die if you don't go on vacation. You will not die if you go on vacation. Test me on it. You might go down the plane if you go on vacation. At least that's how I feel. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. You're not going to die if you don't have a new grill. It's going to cook it nice, and you're going to put that on Instagram with the apron. That's a luxury. We never work and die for these things and bleed and hurt our health for these things. These things rust away. We lay out a, down a life for others so that they might know Jesus. We spend our time with others who are suicidal. We spend time with others who have addiction struggles. We spend time with others who have emotional problems. We spend time with others who have real needs. And we say, listen, I don't need that luxury. Let me help pay your heating bill. We all will be tested with money in this life. Will we gather it or will we give it? to those in need, and to Jesus' church? That's the, the big question. So that's what Jesus is getting at the heart here. Now, why does, good finance, why does this matter so much for our church? So there's the obvious reason. If we don't give, there is no church and there is no mission. <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's, when I thought of this message, I said, this message isn't heavy. I said, this message is honest. This just is an honest message. If we don't give, there is no church, right? If your husband, you thought he was awesome, right? Or your spouse was awesome, they're like, man, I love you. <laughs> Spend my life with you. But every day they laid in bed. You say, listen, I got some bills. <laughs> I got some rent here. They're like, no. All that matters is our love. Our love. Me and you forever, baby. You say, what are you talking about? Love is action. If you love me, you work to provide for me, right? If we love Jesus' church, we work to provide for it. That, that, that's the heart of the issue, right? We can be honest. We don't have to play reindeer games. If we love Jesus and his church, we work to provide for it. You know, it's a family. What do you do for your family? You get up every morning and you provide for it. You sacrifice it. You never choose yourself over your family. You just don't do it. And that's the heart of what Jesus is getting at. The funny thing about the why it matters so much for a church is, like, when I look back in my life, I wish I played a lot of single-person sports. Because I realized I wasn't good in team sports because everyone always aggravated me because I didn't do stuff right. I'd be like, they ain't laying out. They should have slid into third. Why even playing if you're not going to slide into third base? Why uh, throw the bat away, go read a book somewhere, don't ever play on my team again? This is how crazy I get and competitive I get. 
So I said to myself, if I was going to do it all again, I would take up like ping pong, right? You know, I don't have to depend on anybody. I was too short to be playing basketball anyways. I should have took up something for short guys like myself, right? But church is a team sport. And so we're mixed with people who are remarkably generous to people who don't give anything at all, to people who give occasionally, people who cut back. So we have a community where we really have to depend on each other, and each decision we make with our spending habits affects all of us, right? So if half the church decides to live in luxury at the expense of being generous, the church suffers tremendously. It's like a hundred different decisions we have to make to be good stewards. And so I'm really speaking to the communal heart there, here and saying it matters so much that we decide and we own being generous. And that it, when we work hard, we don't work hard just for ourselves. We work hard so we can give. That's how a church is healthy. That's how a church is on mission. That's how that mission of seeing people restored by the gospel happens. When we say the right yeses and the right noes. Jesus says a powerful statement here. He said, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So it's really a question of the hearts here, what we treasure as a community most. And I know many of you, and I know many of you are saying, I want to treasure the right things in my life. I want to treasure people, and I want to treasure people knowing God. And that really, as a community, I want to just urge us to treasure the salvation of souls, to treasure the glory of Jesus' name, to treasure Jesus' church in which he died for. That's the heart of a community. This question of serving two masters is huge, right? I listened to a message this week by J.D. Greer on coveting. I didn't even know it was about money, but... If you know anything about me, I do not worry about money, anything in my own household. I do not worry about money. I get rebuked for giving away too much money. Like, I had to have sit-downs this fall. People said, Joe, you're giving away too much money. I'm my own personal, not the churches. Someone asked me one time, the churches might know. I'm not giving them, just writing checks. I'm real generous, you know, you take this. I just, people sat me down, and I really needed, I felt addicted I sat down and said, I'm giving away too much money. I can't stop. And I had a few people sit me down and say, stop. But that's not to lift me up because I'm about to share what I had to repent of with you guys. That's to say, that's who I am as a person. I go the opposite way, and I need to be tempered, right? But J.D. Greer brought up something that really challenged me because I get stressed out about the church finances. There's only one thing that makes me not, I can't sleep, and this is the church finances. Know why? Because we have to depend on each other. I can't depend on myself. So I got to get up here, and I feel like a salesman sometimes, right? Like, listen, what are you making? What are you giving? Come on, let's do this. And it's, it, it's the worst part of what I got to do, but I got to grow, right? So I'm listening to J.D. Greer speaking. He's talking about coveting, one of the Ten Commandments, right? Coveting. And he talked about some signs that we covet money, right? Some signs that we have a coveting problem, and he gave money examples. And one of the things he said that I want us to think about, right? And I thought it was true when I thought about it. He says, if you're in credit card debt, you have a coveting problem. If you're in credit card debt, you have a coveting problem. Why did he say that? 
Because when we spend beyond our means, what is that saying? I'm not content with what I have. I want what my neighbor has. I'm not content with what God has allowed me to make. I need more. So it's like this. See the vacation they had? Why don't I have that? I work hard. Put that on the Visa Adventure card and cancel giving to Ara. Right? What about, how about, um, I'm trying to think of other things we do covet. I'm going to turn to my notes on this because I got some good stuff written down here. Beautiful backyard set. You guys seen these backyard sets? They cover you, the seats. It puffs up in the middle mechanically and makes a fire for you. I need one of those. Put that on the visa, beautiful home. Cut RRs given by 60%, right? Do you see the love there? You see how our hearts are, it's coveting. It's saying, listen, I'm not content that I make this much and we can't spend beyond this. I'm going to get in debt. I'm going to spend beyond because I covet the things my neighbor has. That's why God said, don't do this in a community. Never covet what other people have because it's going to mess up the way you spend your money. And it goes on and on. I see people, you see a mobile home someone has. And you say, listen, that mobile home, (laughs) a trailer where they drive across the country, that's beautiful. Put that on the visa travel card. And we're not given to the church for six months. Right? This happens all the time. I watch people choose luxuries over and over again to the detriment because I'm one of the only people who see given, right? And I see all the social media posts and I look at the given and I say, wow, they chose things that are passing away over the mission of God's church. This is why it's so important and this is why it's so honest because Jesus is looking for our hearts. Maybe it's a little heavy, too, because I can feel the heaviness in here a little bit. I was like, I was just thinking about that trailer across the nation. At Restoration Road, we want to declare that our given habits are pushing back on the love of money, and they're remarkably, remarkably generous. We are pushing back on that mentality here. We are pushing back that things are going to make us happy. We are pushing back that I'm going to sacrifice being generous so I can have more things or more places or more luxuries in this world. Why are we doing that? Because we are Christians. We are Christ-centered. And that's what our Savior says. And he's worthy of our obedience and love. And we trust him as a financial advisor. Even when it's scary. I mean, that's petrifying, right? That's absolutely petrifying. But he makes these promises with all this stuff that the, the righteous are never begging for bread. I, I know when you see people with bad spending habits and overspending, they're always stressed out about money. And you think, well, I thought they would be happy if they kept spending more. And you're like, no, they're more miserable. Because it's a ba- money's a bad master. But when we give all and trust Jesus and we trust that he's going to take care of us financially, then people can look at our lives and say, only God could have provided for them. Only God could have provided for them. I had a young couple that I'm going to be marrying in June. They were putting off their marriage because they would um, lose health insurance. It would be tough financially. And what I always run in, most people, they're not cohabitating and they're not living together. It has nothing to do with their commitment to each other. It always involves money. 
They say, if we do this, we'll lose that. If we do this, it's always rooted in the love of money. And this young couple said to me, they said, it's going to be tough for us. We're going to lose this and we'll lose that. And I'm paraphrasing here, but we're getting married earlier because we know God's going to provide for us. And I said, I've never heard that before. I've been ministering in Boston for a while, and I always hear, oh, we, gotta, we, we, we planned a wedding six years from now. I was like, you've been dating for 14. They're like, nope, finance is going to be ready. You don't understand. We're going to step in there, compound interest. I, I, I've never seen anyone do that. And the joy, and what it made me say is, wow, they truly love God. It's just a powerful thing. So how do we apply this to our church's life? Um, we give away stuff as a church. A financial advisor say, what are you doing? You're not even self-sustaining. Why are you giving to other people? Because Jesus calls us to be generous. And if we're not giving now, we're not, never going to give when we have an overflowing budget. We give to a church planning network called Acts 29, and a church plan network called the North American Mission Board, and we give to a church in Malden that is being planted, seven-mile-old Malden. We give away money to help other churches to make sure we stay generous. We're only giving 2% now. For us, that needs to get up to 10%. And I've been asking myself as a leader, why are we not giving 10% even if we're going to get in the red? Because what kind of faith is that? Am I playing worldly games? Are we playing worldly games? Because I'm acting just like I preached, you know, when I have, we have all this money, then we'll give. No, we need to give now because it shows our heart, amen? We need to fight for that. We need to stress about that. We need to give to that. It needs to, if I'm going to stay up about money, let it be because we're giving away too much, not because we're burying too much. Secondly, I'm going to talk to three different groups of people and tell you the parable of the taquito right now. I had an apprentice who work with me. And we, anyone to get those taquitos they used to have at 7-Eleven? If you're a tradesman, you go to get these taquitos. They're like, you can get 10 for like a nickel and you just start throwing down these taquitos that they're cooking in the thing. We had, I had $5, my apprentice had nothing. He said, listen, I'm hungry. I'll go. I said, listen, go get me you a taquito, get us a drink, come out. Here's $5, you don't have any money. Just bring the food back. That's all I'm asking for, brother. He goes in there, he has my $5. He's in there for a little while, comes out with a taquito, a drink. I think he bought a lighter, smoke a pack. And he sat down, acted like nothing was going on. And I'm sitting there saying, all right, okay. What is the taquito, dog? He said, what? He said, there wasn't enough money for you. I said, I gave you the $5. He said, sorry, dog. Why do I share that story? That's what we do with God in his church. That's what we do. He gives us the intelligence. He gives us the IQ. He gives us the work. He gives us the job. He gives us the blessing. And we say, oh, I didn't have enough, God. That's to the heart. And that's truth. We know the truth when it hits our heart. Either we let a little fall through and we leave over the leftovers Oh, we just don't have enough to give because we purchased everything when he's the one who provided. Let that not be said of us at Restoration Road. There's three groups of people. So I had the joy of looking at everyone's gift history in 2019 during this week to prepare. And there's three groups of people as much as I can see. 
And please hear this with honesty and love and gratitude for everyone. There's people who are remarkably generous. And people might ask, how do you know if I'm remarkably generous or not? Because we have a given history at the church. Honesty. So I get to go through and see the giving history, and there's a group that's remarkably generous. I, you know, I get to know you guys and know your lives and roughly know around what you're making in your lifestyles, and I say, wow, that's sacrificial and that's generous that they're giving like that. That's remarkably generous, and I'm thankful. There's this second group that's giving, but I could be wrong, guys. I could be wrong. I speak as a man right now, but I've heard many of you say, you know what I heard the most in 2018 with sitting down with members? God's telling me to give more. Do you know that everyone said God's telling me to give more? I didn't see one person give more over the next year. That person, I want to say thank you. Those people, those couple, thank you. Like, we're really thankful for anything. But also, I want to call you that you are wrestling with the love of money and the love of God. In all honesty, there's a, there's a war going on. There's a tension there. And I want you to hear the words of Jesus. Invest in Jesus' church. Invest in the salvation of souls. Invest in the glory of Jesus' name. Answer the call of the Holy Spirit. Step up to the plate and give more if God is calling you to do it. Thirdly, we have this group of people, and I don't say this with any frustration. No giving history. <laughs> no giving history. Like I've grown as a pastor, usually I'd be like, I don't like this person anymore. Like, legit, I'd be like, really, dog? Here I am slapping you, fire pulling you in. You ain't giving a dime. Right? Your heart gets funny things like that. Really? And I said, no giving history. No giving history. No giving history. What? There's no frustration here. My duty as the lead pastor is to call you to do what Jesus calls you to do. Like, I'm really not mad at anyone. But it's my job pastorally to say that's not how we follow Christ around here. That's not a heart that's sold out for Jesus. That's not a heart that gets the importance of Jesus' church and his gospel. That's not a heart that sees a dying world and as many people have not put their faith in Christ that if they passed away today, they would not meet the arms of God but they would meet judgment. And I'm going to ask you a simple question. I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to ask you to take the next step and be generous. And I'm not questioning if you're a good person or a bad person. Please hear me. I love you guys. It's an honor to serve you. But in order for us to accomplish our mission of seeing people restored by the gospel, we have to be remarkably generous. Jesus is asking for it all. He's asking for it all. I'll share this last story with you for that last group of people. I got an apartment with all my friends when I was about 19 or 20 years old. Can you believe when I was 14 years old, I paid rent in my own house. This is why I'm so serious about responsibility. I did landscape. I paid $200 a month to live in my home, own home at 14. That's an importance of responsibility. I don't know why I brought that up. I just threw that in there. We got an apartment, me and three of my friends when we were 19. Two of my friends. We each had our own room. We paid the rent. We washed the dishes. We did all that stuff. We had a friend. He was kind of one of those natural brothers. Always had a backpack. Always eating a granola bar. Just always walking somewhere that was beautiful. You know what I mean? Just always felt like he always stepped out of the woods. He goes, listen. 
You need a place to stay. Mind if I sleep behind your couch? I was so naive back then. You guys started to learn. I was like, sleep behind the couch, bro. This is Jesus community. I sleep behind the couch. I didn't know this dude was staying for like three, four months. Right? So I really, it didn't hit me till one of my roommates came up and said, listen, what he would do is he would get up and wash the dishes like he was helping, you know, paying the bills, right? So I was like, oh, this is a good dude. His last name was Crandall. And so we called him Pot Handle Crandall because he always washed the dishes. It's the kind of stuff that happens. One day a guy walked up to me in our house and he said, listen, don't you think this guy should be helping out with the mission of this home to provide? I said, he's just sleeping behind the couch. He says, but he gets all the benefits of living in the house. He gets all the benefits of being in this home. This is kind of a hard story I'm going with at the end here, guys, I'm realizing. This is hard. I don't want this to come out like this. I knew I shouldn't have started this story because I was going to ask some of you to start living behind the couch, and that's not why I want to end this. <laughs> Listen, let me give you an honest thing. Basically, I had a conversation with that dude, finally, after I realized, wow, this dude is living in the house, but he's not helping keep the house healthy and the family healthy. He had lived there four months, and I went to him, and I said, listen, it's probably best that you contribute. We love having you here. You're a great person. You bring a lot of laughs. This is a wonderful thing. We love having you part of this family. And you know how he responded? He moved out. He moved out. So maybe the story is leaving somewhere good. I don't want anyone here to move out. I want us to join together. I want us to be generous, and I want us to give to the mission of God because Jesus calls us to that. Money is a tough issue that we need to talk about because it has to do with our hearts, but let's be remarkably generous people. Amen? Let's push back on that. Um, that last story made me sweat a little bit up here. I haven't sweated in the pulpit for a little bit. I got all stressed on that last one hate the money messages. This is the final ask for us, Restoration Road. If you've been here for a little while and you call this church home, we're asking you to sign up to give online. For some of you who have never given, maybe it's $5 a week. Just say, I'm going to give and I'm going to be part of this church. For some of you, maybe it's $25. But I want all these three groups to work together to see people restored by the gospel. And let's close on that.